I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Xenia Muntan. She's the CEO and founder of Planable. Xeni has been recognized on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and she spoke on the innovation stage at Can Lions in 2018. She's graduated Tim Draper's Startup Academy in Silicon Valley and took Planable through the Techstars London Accelerator program in 2017. She's also published a book, The Manifesto on Content Marketing Teams, and has launched her own podcast, People of Marketing. Today on the show, we talk about content marketing, Planable, her journey as an entrepreneur, and servicing other marketers with better workflow solutions. And we talk a little bit about how uh, teams should be working in virtual environments these days. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Xenia Muntan. Well, Xenia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Alan, for having me on the show. I thought we'd start with an interesting question in our last conversation about like where you grew up and what it was like to grow up there. Yeah. So I grew up in a geography that most people uh, haven't heard about, Republic of Moldova, a tiny, tiny country in uh, Eastern Europe, a post-Soviet country, actually. And yeah, I was born and raised there and, you know, have lived in Moldova 
you know, my first 24 years, 23 years of my life and have moved recently, I would say, you know, four to five years ago, I, I left, you know, um, my home country and uh, moved abroad, uh, lived, you know, uh, in London and, and San Francisco and now a bit more closer to home, uh, Romania, still Eastern Europe. So, yeah, you know, growing up in Moldova is interesting, I could say so. You learn a lot of stuff about survival and ambition and making it on your own independence in life. I think, you know, growing up in a in an economy that is not definitely not the first one, I, definitely not in any top out there, you know, it teaches, teaches you a lot about grit and resilience and not giving up and kind of going through difficulties and still wanting to make it, still preserving your ambition. Well, speaking of grit and resilience, um, you've really accomplished a lot at a relatively early age and you were on the Forbes 30 Under 30 recently. What was your path from growing up in Moldova to founding Planable? Yeah. So I did not have like a plan whatsoever to get on Forbes 30 under 30 or build, you know, a company when I was very young, there was no plan whatsoever. And there was no, you know, strategical path. It's only a path now, you know, looking backwards and like connecting all the dots, looking backwards, kind of all makes sense. And there's like this seamless path, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. I, you know, it was nothing strategical and in my path while I was going through it. But what happened was I started my first serious business, I would say so, because I have a, I had, I had a few ventures before, uh, before starting this one. I, I had all kinds of entrepreneurial experiences before that one, but without identifying them as entrepreneurial experiences. But the first, you know, serious one, like with, you know, um, like incorporating an entity and admin stuff and taxes and all of that. My first serious one was a social media marketing agency. Uh, I started it during my second year of university and I actually managed to get some really, really good clients, you know, Coca-Cola and, you know, a bunch of other ones that were pretty impressive for uh, 20 years old. And, you know, I was building a lot of content plans for them for social media I then uh, scaled uh, and expanded into websites, branding projects, uh, just digital marketing overall. And during that, you know, uh, agency, uh, you know, it was a tiny one, six to seven people at, at its peak. But during that agency, I, I learned some of the operational issues agency owners and you know agency people in general have and that's just the entire process of collaboration with clients trying to gather feedback and, and approval from clients on social media editorial calendars it was such such a struggle for me back then and I hated working in just Microsoft Excel Microsoft Outlook and trying to build beautiful visual moving content inside Excels felt like it was all killing my creativity. And, you know, I tried, I, I looked for tools to just streamline the way we were planning content internally for clients, but also the way we were presenting that work for clients in a more modern way. And, you know, I obviously found tools that were helping me with analytics and other tools that were helping me with uh, publishing and scheduling of the content for social, you know, buffers and hootsuits of the world. But there was nothing that was solving my workflow problem. Like, how do I 
collaborate in an easy way internally with my team, but also externally with clients. And that's, you know, how the idea of Planable, you know, uh, was born out of pure necessity, out of pure frustration, trying to solve our own problem. We realized that it's not just us that, you know, have this problem in the world. And it's not just agencies, you know, that are struggling with collaboration for uh, content, collaboration on content. And yeah, fast forward for years since we started Planable, we're working with brands such as United Nations, Hyundai, Viborgs, Yama Batan, and so many more brands out there, uh, just helping them simplify their content workflows. Well, I want to get to uh, Planable a little bit in more detail in a minute. But before I do that, I mean, so you're relatively young, you grew up in Moldova. If I get the trajectory right, you you somehow, you out of necessity, start to build this tool and software. And then somehow you find yourself in the middle of the venture community in London. So what was the experience of being a female entrepreneur and working and pitching the venture community in another country that you're you're not even from? Yeah, that was crazy. So the way we got into, uh, the way I settled in London initially was to an accelerator. So we applied, since we started Planable, we applied to so many accelerators. And those are, you know, an accelerator is, a, for those who don't know, it's a, a program that uh, helps startups grow. So we got into one of the most prestigious accelerators in the world, and that's Techstars. And as part of the program, we had to be in London, and we stayed in London for a while afterwards. And the program was amazing, and I feel like the soft land—it it was a soft landing, just because we didn't just move to you know a strange city we never lived in, a strange country we don't resonate with, and that was all. You know, we landed in a community that was welcoming and that. More than that, you know, supportive, but also had, was probably one of the first programs at Techstars that had such a high number of female CEOs in the program. I, I think there was like nine out of 14 startups had a female CEO, which is insane. So I feel like, you know, that was really, really helpful. I feeling like I was part of that tribe that was so supporting and so encouraging and looked and thinked like me and I had common values with them. So that was very, very helpful. Other than that, I don't th- I don't feel like I thought too much about female being a female in the entrepreneurial world. I feel like I know that there's probably bias. There's still bias out there for sure. There is a glass ceiling out there for sure. But my approach was probably a bit naive, but I I just didn't think about it. It was naive, but probably <laughs> healthy for me in a way. Just didn't took it to heart uh, necessarily. I was mindful always about the fact that I might be prejudiced and discriminated in a way, but I just decided not to go into that direction and just, you know, build my business and focus on things I can't control. Yeah, no, I, I was just about to say that, that you focusing on the things that you could control and and letting hoping that the hard work persists over any bias that you might face. Let's talk about Planable. What is it? How does it work? Tell me a little bit more. Yeah. So Planable is a content review and marketing collaboration. We're currently being used by more than 5,000 teams across the world. And the way it works is that it is more than anything designed for teams in mind. So teams can create content and iterate on that content together in the platform, plan it. Uh, we have a very nice editorial calendar uh, feature inside the platform. So it's a lot about 
making plans happen, as the name of the tool would suggest. <laughs> so it's a lot about collaborating on plans for social media, uh, gathering approvals, discussing the content right next to the content itself, but also visualizing the content. So a big, big part of what Planable is, it's the clarity that the tool gives you around your content. So you can actually see how posts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram would look like in their final version. So you get accurate previews of the content, which is really, really helpful when you're collaborating with someone else, because you don't have to rely on their imagination to guess how your content is going to look like in the end. And it's also more delightful way of working on content that looks like the final product, the final version. So it's really a workflow system, kind of like a an OS for a social media team um, to help them, you know, just manage everything from the idea of a content, the asset management part, uh, the feedback, the discussions, the entire coordination that happens behind uh, the scenes of social media marketing. Got it. It is kind of funny that out of all the tools that are out there before Planable, none of them really did a great job of visualizing the content. Like, yeah, it's a hard job because just think about Facebook with their, you know, they have dozens of formats of posts and they change, they experiment so much every day and they change the, those formats and they A-B test on those formats. So there's, you know, concurrently a dozen of formats existing for the same type of post in different audiences. So it's really hard to keep up. So it's, you know, it's a hard job, but we think, you know, we think it's worth it. Yeah, I think it's probably pretty vital just to be able to see, I don't know how many times I've posted something through a, a tool that... To have a surprise only afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're like, no, that's not what it was supposed to look like. What happened? Uh, ended up having to like delete posts. And, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> well, uh, what does marketing planable look like? How do you market yourself? Yeah, so that's something I did not have experience with when I started Planable B2B uh, marketing. It was not something I've done in my previous agency. I've only done, you know, consumer marketing before. So I had to learn everything from scratch. But, you know, luckily, our head of marketing uh, here at Planable, she worked at, you know, at Oracle before, also at Uber and, the you know, so that, but that was more consumer uh, marketing again. But she did have a lot of experience with uh, B2B marketing and, our marketing mix, the way it looks right now, is it's very much this concept in, in the IT world that is called dog fooding, which means that, you know, you use the product that you build. So for us, you know, we're in the content marketing industry and the way we market Planable is by content marketing. Uh, so it's, you know, it only makes sense. And we do build a lot of, you know, it's, we do rely a lot on, on inbound marketing. So we launch every year a few content projects. We had a video content academy where people could learn about building their own content workflow we have a podcast, we have a few ebooks, we launched an industry report where we looked at, you know, what happens behind the scenes of marketing teams in terms of workflow. We haven't tried influencers yet. That's the one we didn't do yet. And we only started paid search and uh, paid social about a year ago. But we did rely a lot on content and a lot on SEO uh, in the past four years to go planable. So it was mostly organic and mostly inbound. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, you mentioned the podcast. Congrats on launching you. your podcast. <laughs> uh, and for those that are listening, the podcast is called People of Marketing. So how does that fit into your overall efforts? Obviously, I'm a fan of podcasting. <laughs> but Yes. 
So we're actually, I think, finishing up uh, our first season of People of Marketing, and we launched it in January, and I had no previous experience <laughs> with podcasting, but I really do enjoy podcasts, similarly to you, so I thought, you know, that should be too hard. No, it is. It is very hard to build a podcast. I know just besides just finding guests and interviewing them and thinking of insightful questions, the entire logistics of building a podcast, editing, it's a lot of work. But the way it fits into our own strategies, you know, again, content marketing, podcasts are a great way of building content, a great content. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Format nowadays. And the concept of the podcast is that we interview inspiring marketers. Uh, so for the past four years since I was... Since I started building Planable, I met so many marketers that I wanted to learn more about their lives, really, you know, about the human in them, uh, how big are where they are today, what does their journey look like? And I was always so, so curious to understand how you, how you get into a CMO position. How do you become the head of social at a company? What was your journey? How, you know, how did those people get into marketing in the first place? What were they, you know, as kids and so on? Basically, I wanted to get a sneak peek into their lives. So that's exactly what I did. You know, I started People of Marketing and I feel that it, it, it fits well into our brand because our product is it's about people, it's about collaboration, it's about teamwork, it's about being as productive as you can about marketer, about uh, as a marketer. So it's more about the people than it is about the content itself, if that makes sense. Uh, so we do help, like we help you be more productive as a marketer. We def that definitely brings an impact on the content that you build, just because many people collaborate on it. There's you know better, brighter ideas, and the content you know gets better as a result of that. But in the end, we do care about marketing teams being their best self as a group of humans um, that are, you know, collaborating professionally. So I think that's, you know, how it kind of fits into our our brand. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good format. And um, I do, I've listened to a, f a few of the interviews and I, I think you've got a really nice style Thank too. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think podcasting can be pretty, pretty helpful. I think the other thing that, as you were talking about this, that stood out to me was just thinking about like when your tools are working for you, 
then it can be all about the people that you work with. Meaning, you know, we can make marketing more human <laughs> if the if the tools get out of our way. <laughs> so exactly, yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a go. I'm gonna steal this. <laughs> you steal it, steal it, take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's really good. You know, we are going through a global pandemic with COVID nineteen right now. How how has that impacted your company? I, I believe you moved right before everything went went sideways. Yeah, we also had to pivot. So in a way, pivot the positioning of our company in a way, not the product. The product stayed the same. And thankfully, the product was in a way well positioned for what came. But we had to change the way we were communicating our product, the way we were explaining our product so that it was fitting into the entire work from home um, storyline. So we had to launch a remote page where we explained, you know, how we help with work from home, how we help with teams that had to suddenly go remote. We prepared like many other companies out there, a list of resources to help, you know, teams specifically around workflows and, and collaboration and productivity. And more than more than anything, we actually launched a free plan. So we had a free trial before that. And we decided a couple of months into the pandemic, we decided to launch a free plan uh, so that people had the chance to play around with the product even more than they, you know, had the chance with the free trial. And we felt that that, you know, could help a few teams out there. And, you know, with existing customers, we, you know, went into, obviously, we tried to help them out and we offered uh, discounts to some of the teams out there that were struggling the most and couldn't afford the tool anymore. Uh, And we proactively reached out to our enterprise clients to see how they're doing, uh, make sure, you know, see if there's any way we can help them. And internally, uh, for you know, for our own team, the first thing we I realized as a leader that I had to do was to make some kind of a plan, whatever plan I could for my for my team. Uncertainty was the biggest challenge, right? Like the, in the beginning, especially now, we feel like we adjusted a bit. <laughs> we got more comfortable with with you know with uncertainty, but in the beginning, that was the biggest struggle. Uh, was that level of uncertainty was very, very painful. So I realized that I had to make some kind of a plan, just, you know, some kind of strategy, whatever I could give them, though it was really hard to make any plans back then. I realized that I I had to make a plan for them to just help ease that uncertainty. And we obviously, you know, did a bunch of other things like, you know, social activities over Zoom and, and that kind of stuff. And we made sure everyone has all the tools they need to be as productive as they can. But yeah, that's kind of how we approached it. Overall, I feel like because we were in the collaboration space, it didn't it didn't hit us as we you know were expecting, as, as you know as bad as it would uh, as bad as we expected in the beginning. But at the same time, because we're in collaboration in the marketing space, marketing space being you know the one that is probably in a pandemic or in a bad economy is the one that probably has the most cuts. We also didn't grow like generic collaboration tools did like Slack and Zoom. We didn't explode as they did. So, you know, those two kind of canceled them together, you know, canceled each other. And, you know, we still grew across the pandemic, but not not as you'd expect a collaboration tool to. Yeah. I mean, I imagine you got a little bit caught up in the agency cutbacks. And yes, like exactly. That. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, like, do you see, it sounds like you work with both agencies and client side organizations or brands. I would think that, frankly, going forward, some of the brands maybe, or the client side, the company side, maybe picking up more of the slack going forward. I don't know if you've seen any trend like that in your own business at this point. Not necessarily. I feel, no, not necessarily. I feel like some might have gone that 
gone, uh, gone that route, but no trends whatsoever in that direction, to be honest. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. You talked about remote work and, and collaborating and pivoting how you market your product. Anything you can say to like how marketers can be more collaborative or successful at embracing the remote work that we're all doing today? Yeah. So I, th- I feel like the number one thing about uh, embracing remote work is being extremely self-aware of the issues it is causing your team because the issues can be so, so different. So troubleshooting through those issues and discovering them because sometimes those issues might not be very exposed and you might not be very aware of them but basically doing an audit and figuring out how it's hurting you is the number one thing i would recommend to anyone figuring out where the bottlenecks are what's stopping you from being as collaborative as possible and then taking it from there but other than that you know generally speaking because you know the problems might be different from one team to another but generally speaking it, I, I feel like for collaboration to be very very successful and efficient you need to have one single place to collaborate, to have this, you know, unified workflow. For example, with social media, right? The alternative to Planable is to have a spreadsheet where you plan content, discuss it on email or Slack, store all your files and assets in some driver Dropbox folder, and maybe present, you know, work in a PowerPoint. So Planable just unifies this entire workflow in one single place and replaces all those tools. And all those tools represent being a fragmented process. They All those cracks between those tools represent opportunities for miscommunications, opportunities for losing time, for you know going back and forth between those tools, opportunities for misalignment on you know what's happening and just lack of clarity. And I feel like figuring out a way to just unify this to bring more transparency and, and clarity and have like this one central place where you work on content, but you also discuss content and move content forward is one major way for marketers to think about to just a framework for them to think about efficient collaboration. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit. We like to get to know the person behind the microphone on our show too. And um, one of my favorite questions, frankly, to ask is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I think there was. And it kind of goes back to, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that my first serious uh, business was my digital marketing agency, but I had other ventures before that. So I think one of those ventures was a big milestone and a learning experience for me. I had a small, small <laughs> Uh, business. I was crafting handmade jewelry with my mom when I was a teenager and I was selling them online over Facebook. Basically, I had a Facebook page and I was selling them there and you know, meeting people outside of Facebook in real life and like uh, giving them the product. And I think that entrepreneurial experience when I was just a teenager and working with my mom has taught me a lot about work ethics and discipline. Because I was very, very young, but I also got to make my own money and manage my own money as a teenager. So I think that taught me a lot about work ethics because sometimes we were going to some fair, you know, just small fairs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Art fairs to sell them. And we had to craft a lot of them. And usually the time was very short, short. So we had to, we were, you know, sitting up until 3 a.m. in the morning and, you know, crafting them and baking them because <laughs> that's how it works. And it taught me a lot about discipline and grit and working hard. And I think, you know, that stayed with me since then. Well, what advice would you give your younger self if you're starting all over? 
I think a big, big advice is about never, you know, limiting myself and you can do much more than you think you, you can. That's what I would tell myself a few years ago. Gotcha. So don't get in your own way. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Don't, you know, don't, you know, stop yourself from building more than you can, you uh, building more than you think you can. Well, this is kind of a silly question, but I really like some of the answers I get from time to time. It probably builds my 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 shopping list. Well, um, let's see it. <laughs> so, what is what's been the most impactful purchase, say, of a hundred dollars or less in the last um, six to twelve months? Oof, that's a good one. I mean, I'm not sure if that's a purchase, and it's. I mean, it is. I did pay for it. So I think. I'm sure one of my previous therapy sessions is, has probably been worth the money. <laughs> Not sure that's something to put in your uh, shopping list, <laughs> but uh, I feel like you know, doing therapy as an entrepreneur, um, but not just as an entrepreneur, you know, for everyone else out there that wants to, uh, you know, yourself, discover yourself. And I think that's extremely important. And I, I feel like that's a topic that people don't don't really touch upon. It feels like it's a bit of a taboo in the business world. But yeah, definitely one of my therapy sessions was probably the most impactful purchase I made in the past year, in the past, you know, half a year. I love that, frankly. I mean, if you're not working on yourself, who's going to do it, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. So it makes perfect sense. And I, I would recommend that too. And whether now that you say that, like probably the most impactful purchase I've made is that my gym membership, you know, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, that makes sim sense. similar, right? Mm -hmm. Similar yeah. work on yourself. Well, um, two last questions for you. Curious if there's brands or companies or causes that you're following or you think other people should take notice of. I think a few brands that I started following, not necessarily for like their brand, not necessarily from a marketing perspective, though they do a great work there as well, more for their products and causes. It's the entire group of brand companies such as Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods and Moving Mountains, and there's probably a bunch more. I think that's a fascinating industry alternatives to meat. And the way I also love, you know, their positioning, I'm a vegetarian, but I, uh, I wouldn't necessarily buy the product for myself, but I feel that it's such a great positioning that some of those brands took, you know, targeting, not vegetarians, but, you know, targeting meat eaters. I think it's a great, you know, the way they, you can find them in like very, you know, meat heavy burger joints and the way they market themselves and the product they build more than anything. I feel like that's, you know, it's impressive. Yeah, I would agree with you. Last question for you. What do you think is the largest either opportunity or threat marketers are facing? Uh, so for the threat thing, I would definitely go with silos. I feel like that's the most natural one to say, considering the conversation we've had, but also the most natural to say, considering the circumstances, uh, working from home and just remote work, there's a lot of threat of, you know, building silos in, in this environment. So I feel that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity and room to break those silos by you know, introducing some, you know, efficiency and collaboration mechanics into the team. So yeah, that's the one I would go with, silos. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much, Alan. That was a great chat. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. 
If you're new to marketing today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.